John Penn, uh, and I'm excited to talk. I'm really excited to talk to my uh, my guest on this episode, uh, Josh Pius. And I think um, I think it's really interesting and not surprising that he's made over a hundred films and television shows because I feel like I've seen him in a lot of different projects. Um, and that's we talked a, a bit about that, but I think the um, the vein of our conversation touched on topics like mental health and just these different themes of morality and mortality and um, you know the feeling of being left of center in many ways and I think that's one of the tenets that I've come across in, in a lot of his work. I, I feel like the biggest portal into um, sort of understanding maybe his sensibility came from his documentary Seventh Street uh, and that also kind of it touched on his approach towards you know work but I think more so it showed the interesting dynamic, you know, very unique environment uh, that is growing up in Alphabet City, you know, in the Lower East Side and and having a lot of friends that are characters and growing up in this environment that in many ways, um, you know, doesn't necessarily exist the same way uh, anymore. And we that's kind of what we started out that discussing. We, we talked about that and um, you know, it's kind of cool because he, he made this documentary over a 10, you know, 10 or 10 plus year period. And, um, after kind of shooting a lot of it in the nineties, he came back in, I think 2000 or 2001 and his neighborhood was completely different. Um, I mean, it, it's almost like, it's almost like the crime and, um, you know, the rebellion made it more edgy and gave it all this vibrant cultural, you know, um, meaning. And, uh, and I guess that's the, that's the caveat of gentrification. And that's, those are themes that he explored in that, in that seventh street documentary, which you can find online. Uh, I think it's on YouTube actually. And it's growing up. I mean, a very multidimensional experience on the one hand, you know, growing up on, on this Lower East side, um, neighborhood. And then on the other going to, you know, very kind of pristine, prestigious private schools on the Upper East Side and that that dichotomy, uh, which I think really does a lot to kind of mold um, mold a person and shape, you know, um, his or her lens of the, the world. And also, like, he takes the experiences that he's learned and that he's had over, over the years, and he's using it to help others. His program, you know, Committed Impulse, which is, I think the tagline is that that we have to engage and create from our impulses. And that's such a significant thing, no matter what you do, really. And he works with actors, but he also works with business people. He works with people that are in uh, you know, public affairs. Anyone that really needs to figure out how to engage themselves, their process, and an audience. I mean, that's something that, you know, that's a tenant that he's kind of exploring with, with others in that way, which I think is really cool. But in our discussion, I mean, we we discussed his process and the sort of method that he's used and that he's learned that he and that he teaches, um, you know, on a daily basis to kind of get where he needs to be. But on the flip side, on the you know complementary sort of angle of that, the directors that he worked with too, and, and how they kind of 
coax those things out of him and that spontaneity and consistent engagement. Um, so, you know, we talked about working with people like Lynn Shelton, the late, incredible Lynn Shelton, one of my favorite directors, um, you know, guys like Tom McCarthy and, um, and women like Nicole Hall Center. I mean, it's, it's really, um, if you see the projects that he's done, it's quite mind blowing. I think safe men was where I first, um, I guess recognized kind of what he was doing. I mean, I think I was a kid when I saw that, but seeing him and Steve Zahn and, uh, Sam Rockwell. I mean, it was, it's great. It's a great film. Uh, I think we talked about it like a cult film. So you got to watch that. And you know, so many recent projects that he, that he made that are, that are coming out this year or that came out really recently, like spoiler alert. Uh, you hurt my feelings that, uh, came out in Sundance, uh, you know, so this January and I think a 24 acquired that. So stay tuned for that release. A Man in Full, that's a miniseries coming out on Netflix um, this year. I mean, he's he's in a great cast. Bill Camp uh, and Jeff Daniels are also uh, kind of with him in that. And, and we, you know, talking about gentrification, I mean, that's kind of that setting, too. I mean, we're kind of going into the South and Atlanta in this show. But it's it's cool to see how, uh, how universal that theme is on, on so many levels, man. And we also talked about, uh, I think, a seminal film that came out uh, pretty recently, which is Joker. Um, and he's he's in that with Joaquin Phoenix. And I think they both killed it. But I mean, it's interesting because they talked about he talked about the focus of that set and how um, wild it is uh, to be on a movie of that scale and, and have that kind of be retained. That's a testament, I guess, to the direction of Todd Phillips and then also just how tight the script was, you know, with Todd and uh, I think Scott Silver wrote that, who's a genius. So uh, really excited to see to see the new f- films and television shows. Uh, always like watching him. And in terms of the training that, that we talked about and I, I just mentioned, Committed Impulse, you can find that uh, by going to committedimpulse.com. So I hope you enjoy our chat. <laughs> Well, uh, how is how's everything going for you? Everything's everything's pretty good right now. That's uh, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's good. I mean, uh, on, I can honestly say that. Yeah, was that a, was that a process to come to that uh, consensus a little bit? Yeah, I think I think maybe at one point, um, just in my in my journey, um, just the hanging out with the notion that everything was okay felt unsafe. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Usually people say that uh, uh, incur a sense of safety, but it seems like for you, it was kind of one in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, you know, I, I grew up in a very dangerous uh, neighborhood and, um, and kind of as a kid, like letting my guard down and like to, you know, there were times where it would make, you know, make me vulnerable to, you know, kind of the violence of that area. And, and so maybe that was a bit of a process of clearing that out of my nervous system. Yeah. I know, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about because I saw your documentary seventh street, oh, uh, oh, which is cool. great. So that's, you're talking about like alphabet city, city, right? Like Lower East side, yeah. Yeah, that whole upbringing. All right, let's let's get to that. But right off the bat, because I was kind of thinking about uh, 
Uh, and sometimes this happens like right before, uh, because you've done so much, um, you know, work, you've made so many films and, and television shows, it's kind of hard to figure out where to start. But when I was getting coffee um, just outside the building that I'm in, uh, the guy behind the counter made um, like a remark about my, he's about my mustache. He was like, well, if you trim the sides and you lift it up, it kind of will look like the Joker. And I was like, wow, like that, maybe that's a, that's a good place to start because I think, uh, I think that film, it's such a good, it really read to me or when I watched it, it, it seemed like a mental, a movie about mental health. Yeah. And I wonder if, um, when you got the script, is that kind of how you viewed it too? Or did you have a different interpretation? I mean, the script, um, it, at first, you know, it was a whole process just to receive the script because everything yeah. was under such tight, uh, security. Right. Um, but it just blew me away. Yeah, it felt like it was absolutely about acceptance, about, um, yeah, about mental health, very much um, about that and, and about that. It's like if we don't take care of all of us, um, it, the people on the fringes are going to impact everyone. Yeah, like uh, I guess Joaquin's character, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. it seems like you're you're that scene that you had uh, at the beginning about the sign. You're kind of giving him a hard time, and that that definitely didn't help his uh, <laughs> that character's mental health, his trajectory. Yeah, yeah. exactly. How was uh, how was working with him? It was extraordinary. Um, you know, the set. He. It was very clear early on that. Um, that he was bringing his A game or, or his A plus game. Yeah. And the set was so concentrated because typically, you know, when you're filming, it's cut and then there's just chaos. Yeah. And the chaos goes on for sometimes way past. And then it's like, what are we doing? Why aren't we yeah. shooting? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, it would be cut and it was like quiet. Wow. People did what they needed to do come back and and keep going. And he was, um, you know, what I love about this art form is the element of the unknown. And that I feel like if there's an unknown element in a performance, that that's what an audience wants to see. Mm. If the performance is completely set, you know, and almost like the actor has set it up the day before, and yeah. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, it, it disengages the audience because we're not letting them come in and interpret and really the story needs to come alive for them. And if we offer too much or it's preset and locked down, they, you know, they'll, they'll watch it maybe, um, but it's not going to pull them in. And like every take it was, you know, we were both different, you know, and that's it in terms of the experience of being an actor for me that's the most uh that's the most delicious thing is when it's like you don't know where it's going to be but you're in it right. and it could go here it could go there but you're in, you know in the dance as it were and he was definitely kind of, you know he's that kind of actor yeah and that's got to i bet that does that help kind of keep you on your feet too on your toes because oh, you don't you don't really know what he's going to bring and I'm sure that adds that adds like a layer of engagement too that oh. the audience is probably you know fond of as well. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we gotta so, you know, as artists, you know, stay out of the, <laughs> the mental chatter because it doesn't it doesn't support creativity. 
Yeah, if only his character would do that. But I guess it makes it more interesting that he has that yeah. chatter, right? Absolutely. So that, because uh, that's also New York. And I mean, you can kind of see that time. I mean, you see graffiti on the subways. Yeah. You kind of see anarchy a little bit on the streets. Um, when you grew up, how did you came to the Lower East Side? I think you said in the documentary because of May and Ray, right? Those two artists. Yeah. Like, they kind of drew you yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was living um, in the West Village, oddly enough, in the same house that I now actually live in, the same apartment building. Um, But the rent here um, went up to $180 a month. And that was um, too much for my my parents were split up. And that was my mom just couldn't afford that. She was a painter and a poet. And so we moved to 7th Street between C and D because she knew these artists that were also had some houses that they were renting. And so, yeah, they they uh, they were why we went there. And, you know, it was an amazing, vibrant, violent, dynamic, expressive, artistic, drug infused, uh, yeah. you know, it was like full on. You know, it was not, it was on. Uh, no, you definitely, I definitely got that feeling when I was, when I was watching it. And then your, your father was like this incredible physicist, right? And yeah. He came, he was Dutch, I believe. Yeah. He was Dutch. Yeah. He was a Holocaust got, survivor. He was in yeah. hiding near Anne Frank. And then Niels Bohr, who mm-hmm. was considered the father of the atom, um, brought, he invited my dad after the war to go, um, to Copenhagen to work there. And then uh, Oppenheimer um, invited my dad to the Institute for Advanced Studies in in Princeton. And that's where my dad worked with Einstein for 11 years. Did he, uh, well, I want to hear about that, but when he, that experience, because I think you mentioned that it was like 1945, right? Like towards the end and he got, that's when he got caught. But then when he came away, he he wasn't necessarily physically, uh, scraped, but did you feel that in a sense, like emotionally, do you think that affected him somehow? I mean, I, I imagine that it would, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, for sure. Um, you know, he, he, um, he, he would just get like kind of explosive, you know, just yeah. like he'd get frustrated by things, you know, and, um, he was very much like, I do not want to make my life about, the Holocaust. And he, Mm. and he was like other people that kind of maybe capitalized on their experience. He felt like, no, I'm not doing that. And I think it wasn't until later on in his life, almost towards the end of his life, actually, that it just, all the stuff that kind of was pushed down, just like came out and he was just like, how could people be like that? How could this have happened? You know? And um, you know, and he told me, you know, stories about, uh, you know, his sister had just gotten engaged and, um, this was right as the Nazis were coming in and, t- and starting to block off, uh, Amsterdam mm. and, um, and there was no aware, you right. know, there was no internet, obviously. Um, so it wasn't clear what was happening. You know, they would cut off communication um to the outside world as they would take over an area and my sister had just gotten married and w- 
what they were saying was if you go to these camps, you'll be safe, you'll work and everything will be fine. And my dad just intuitively was like, you cannot put your life in their hands. And, and she was like, my husband really wants to, and you know, off they went and obviously, you know, never came back. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, did he talk about the Einstein, like how what Einstein was like and that whole experience with you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he also wrote two books, you know, um, two biographies of Einstein. Um, I don't know so much, but you know, one, one story that comes to mind is, um, when my dad, um, this made a big impression on him and it makes an impression on me as well that the last time my dad saw Einstein, he had gone, he was, he was infirm. He was in bed. He was in Princeton. And my dad came, you know, knocked on the door and Einstein was, you know, doing calculations in bed and, and they, you know, talked for, you know, 20 minutes, just kind of chit chatted. And then my dad, you know, said, okay, you know, and went up and went to the door and he looked back one more time at Einstein and Einstein was back doing calculations. Yeah. And there's something so, so beautiful about that, you know, it was just like this, this passion and this curiosity and, you know, my dad himself, as well as, you know, his colleagues were all about like, just, you know, expect like just almost ripping thought of the day open and just like going into these areas, you know? Well, I mean, when you were talking about the Joker, it seems like that, that focus that he had, I mean, that seems like the set was very conducive to that for, I mean, for the actors in terms of, you know, uh, being engaged and then also harnessing what you're doing and, and making the other person better. I mean, it seems like Einstein definitely did that too. Yeah. Um, so that Lower East Side experience, because you also had a, I mean, you also went to Dalton, right? Yes. At some point. So yeah. there was there, did you feel like you were in, I mean, did you, did those two sides of your life ever interact or did you feel like you were li- living double lives? It was, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it, it was, I, I guess it was a double life on some level that it was like, I was immersed in this raw, vibrant, yeah. you know, poverty area. And then, um, you know, my dad paid for me to go to private school. And right. so I would go uptown, um, you know, to the Upper East Side, you know, and kids would be dropped off in limousines, yeah. literally. And so it was... Um, it was perfect training for an actor because yeah. <laughs> I got to witness like these two radically different ways of existence. And, and I would have friends, a few friends would come, you know, come and hang out at my, at my apartment. And they were like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause my mom was so bohemian and, yeah. you know, there was like art everywhere and, yeah. You know, and it was like there was it was very unstructured and free flowing. And but, you know, at that time, like people taxis didn't go past First Avenue. Oh, really? Like they would drop you. They were like, I'm you get off here. Um, not that I took that many taxis, but and people would not that, you know, when my friends or their my friends, parents were like, you live there, wow. you know, because it was just it was crazy. It was just, like a war you know, zone. it was like a, it was a war zone. Yeah. But then but it was think, also awesome. Exactly. It was also like full of creativity and full of, 
you know, full expression constantly. Well, that's the, I guess that's the yin and yang because when you, I guess you shot that in the, uh, in 90, in the mid nineties, right. And then you come back in the early aughts mm-hmm. and it's all gentrified. Yeah. And a lot of that culture is, um, I mean, I don't want to say gone, but it's that vibrancy and that rebellion and that sense of, um, palpable tension definitely seemed to be fleeing. Yeah. I mean, was that kind of a tough, uh, realization to kind of deal with at that point? I mean, I started, I shot the movie over a 10 year period. Um, and, um, and I just started shooting. I had a lot of it was sometimes it was just me, a cameraman, and I would like hold audio, you know, or sometimes there would be like two other me and a crew of two people or maybe every now and then three. Um, because, and it was coming out of this impulse of these people, this, part of New York, um, I sensed was going to vanish like this kind of New Yorker that was like just raw and like, you know, like the Jewish gangster guy, man, like, like this guy was, uh, he was a gangster, you know, but he was like the most lovable guy. And he was just like, I, I was like, these people are not, I just knew they were not going to there was not going to be another generation of that kind of New Yorker. And so that's kind of what, um, you know, was my catalyst. And yeah, it was definitely bittersweet that, um, you know, that the people that I followed over that 10 year period, most of them did not survive. Yeah. And for one way or another. And so on some level, nostalgia for that. And on another level, you know, I had, you know, my son was young and, you know, and it's like, it became safer for him. Um, and so that meant a lot to me. So it was like very, yeah. you know, it was the complexity of gentrification. Yeah. Um, was it, uh, was it, was his name Reno Thunder? Is that yeah, the, Reno Thunder? Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's the saddest part, man. When he says, uh, you know, my dogs died because he used to adopt these strays. Yeah. It's terrible. But I guess that's part of what you're talking about. So then when does the, uh, uh, I mean, it seems like, um, you know, your mom, you're describing as like quite bohemian and very interesting. Yeah. And, and then you have your father. When does the, when does the acting interest start? Does that start because you, because of films or, or just you wanted to do it? It started out of having these performances in our apartment uh, and about every two weeks um, on a Saturday night, like people would just gather and I was very much a part of a part of this. And it would people would just do it was almost like performance art before, yeah. we, you know, the term performance art. And people would just get up and do skits or they would do stories or they would do oh, wow. things to music um, or like splashing paint, you know, day glow yeah. paint on a fan with black lights. <laughs> you know, it was just. Um, and so I was really into that. Um, and, but I wasn't like, I want to be an actor. Mm. Um, it was just like, I just loved that kind of creating and that, freedom. that, yeah. And, and my mom was like, her mantra was like, just create, just create, you know, yeah. and don't worry about money. Just, just make art, make art, yeah. make art. And, um, and my dad, you know, wanted me to go into the sciences and he hooked me up with some animal behaviorists that I was able to assist. And Mm. I was fascinated by that, but ultimately I was like, I can't live in a lab, you know, my life working in a, in a lab, but really 
animal behavior and acting are so intertwined. How how so? Well, because well, in animal behavior, like you know, one thing that to explore is like the dominance of you know of different animal, you know, yeah. you know, different say apes, you know, yeah. within a colony, and and there's all different hierarchies and positions where they take and and they adopt a certain behavior, you Mm. know, like that, the, if you, if you're not the dominant, you know, how you approach the dominant is a, in a certain way, you know, with not hold, not challenging, you know, and the dominant is like holding a lot of space and these same elements happen in human behavior, Mm. you know, all the time. And there's all this energetic communication that's happening um, constantly between people. So was, uh, uh, and then you, so when you, so you want to be an actor and you're thinking about this creativity, this freedom of expression, and then these like animalistic themes. So when do you, do you decide, um, at that moment to like train or did you want to like kind of learn by doing it? Um, I wanted to, um, I wanted to train as much as I could. I was so like, I wanted to learn everything I could and try so many things. And I went to, I went to HB Studios uh, in New York, and then I went to Syracuse University, and then I went to London, and um, and that training was it was great, but it left me very in my head, like it was mm. very intellectual yeah. and very psychological, and I would have moments in my work where I would have spontaneity. And I was like, that's what I'm interested in. And I went on a journey after going through that training, just training with people from different parts of the world that had actor training that was more physically based. Okay. And to get to, I, I was really in a, it was like, how can spontaneity be something I can count on? Um, as opposed to like, oh, it just happened. And so I went on this two-year journey, like, of my own kind of making to see how can I get out of my head? How can I be present? How can I be spontaneous? Do you still use that now? Has it informed like how you view roles and, um, absolutely. And, and also like, cause you, you also do a lot of teaching. Mm-hmm. So does that, um, do you try to like, when you, when you approach that, do you try to impart the same sort of training methods that sort of worked for you? Or do you, or do you look more at each actor? That's all I did. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what I, I teach what I, what I do, right. because that's all, all that I know, but it's, I've broken down, like I, I created this work part yeah. of it's what I teach is called committed impulse. Yeah. And there's one piece of it, which is called inner atomics. And basically I've broken down all of human behavior, behavior into these energetic physical patterns. Mm. And by teaching people how to use these patterns to create character, it's like these, these energetic patterns, in a sense, stimulate the imagination, so that they are spontaneous, as opposed to so that all the so that they're looking out and these different energetic patterns alter the way they see, and thereby alter their behavior. Oh, wow. So they're less like in their head. They're, I guess, more in the moment. It's right? yeah. So much of it is about you know. I have these four access points to being present, which is maintaining connection to this information that's occurring in this moment in the body, mm-hmm. 
staying connected to the immediate environment, like almost seeing it how a baby or a dog would see it. So you're literally connected to what's out here, keeping your breath going. And then as soon as you're aware that you've left what's happening here and you're up listening to your mental chatter in my class, I have people say, I'm back. Like as soon as you're aware that you've left, you say, I'm back. And then you're back engaged. So you keep training to, to stay engaged. Yeah. Wow. That's it. So what the first thing, was it, um, was it kind of working on sitcoms like Cosby and uh, like Murphy Brown? Like, was that, would you describe that as like the f- first experiences in acting uh, in terms of like working? Yeah. I mean, the f- first thing I did was a movie called Jackknife mm. and I had like two little scenes with Robert De Niro. Oh, wow. Um, and that, you know, that was, and he was like, fucking robert de niro yeah um and yeah and then and then yeah i think i don't know if it was murphy brown or the cosby show was the first tv stuff that i did did you feel like you were able to use what you learned at that moment in um in the i guess the mechanics or in the setting of sitcom or was that kind of a difficult transition or adjustment for you no i feel like i i mean that's i want to get to a place where i'm not planning. Mm. And that requires like a real connection to the body and to listening to this as opposed to this. And so I, I definitely, you know, attempt to do that sometimes like creating a character, like altering different things physically will allow me to be spontaneous more present yeah yeah well so speaking of altering yourself i mean was uh how did the Raphael thing how did that uh transpire i mean what led to that um teenage mutant ninja turtles um that was um it was an audition you know and my agent said uh have this uh audition for you you know for teenage mutant ninja turtles and i was i couldn't even i couldn't even i you know, hear yeah. what those four, four words were. Yeah. Um, and then it was just, a, you know, an audition and it was very much drawing from alphabet city, mm-hmm. you know, like those characters. Oh, really? And I, and it was like a combination of, you know, had like turtles or like, they're always moving their hands outward, mm, like, yeah. you know, as they, as they move. Right. And then, but there was also like a certain physicality in the neighborhood of people walking, oh, yeah. you know, like a badass yeah. and like taking up as much space as they could. Like you're kind now, of in jail, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and so I kind of just integrated that physicality into it. Yeah. And I had, until I was 13, uh, I used to get mugged all the time. Mm. It was just like a normal, it was just like wow, a normal part of life. And then I started doing martial arts when I was 13 mm. and I ne- nobody ever bothered me after that. Yeah. Um, I think just because I was able to have my awareness out and, and so on. And so I did like a couple um, kicks, you know, a couple martial arts kicks and, yeah. uh, and, you know, one thing led to another and, um, yeah. And that's that, you know, but it was just an odd, another audition. I guess one, th- uh, th- in terms of like being, you know, mugged and told, I mean, that's wild, but you also talk in that, in the dog about, um, like your street family and being kind of protected by them. I mean, that, yeah. that's definitely uh, another tenant, but in terms of the, the people that you worked with, did you ever, um, 
did you and uh like sam rockwell come up at the same time or are you a little bit ahead of him because you've worked with a lot of the similar directors and- sam rockwell yeah yeah i mean yeah sam's a good friend he i mean he was actually in ninja turtles oh really yeah he was like this he, he has like one little scene where he's like a mugger and then i uh yeah in central park yeah um yeah we um we did a movie called Safeman together. Yeah. That, that was with Peter Peter uh, Dinklage too, right? And Steve Zahn. Yeah. 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 Steve Zahn, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Paul Giamatti. Oh, it's yeah. like an amazing cast. It's a good, it's a cult. Yeah, yeah. It's a cult. It's a cult classic. Yeah. How was that experience working on that? It was it was awesome. I mean, I think that was one of my after Ninja Turtles, that was like one of my first leads in a movie. Um and John Hamburg oh, yeah. um, directed it, you know, meet the Fockers. Yeah. And, um, it, it was just so, it was so much fun. And it, it also prior to that um, I would, as an actor, I would get a job and then I would be out of work for like three or four months and mm. then I'd get another job and then I'd be out of work. Yeah. And um I don't know why this story is coming to mind, but um, we were all, you know, getting ready to shoot. Everybody was getting dressed and I could hear everybody. And it was like me and Ruffalo and, and uh, Sam Rockwell and, and Steve Zahn. Yeah. And they were just, um, it was a conversation between Zahn and Rockwell. And they were just like, what are you doing What after this? And, and they said, Oh, I'm doing this movie. And then I'm going to be um, doing that. Yeah. And it was like I something in, shifted in my brain because I was like, "Wow, you could actually go from job to job." Right. Like it didn't even dawn on me. I was like, "Oh, you do a job and then you're unemployed for a long time, and then you do a job." You know, and somehow that just like that notion um, shifted something in me, and and pretty much, you know, I've been working steadily would you say um, that you put more emphasis in like planning the next thing um kind of a little bit uh you know more in advance like than you did before you kind of heard that uh transpire well you can only plan so much <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, as an actor but it was more the mindset mm. it was more i literally my mindset was you get a job and then that's going to be followed by no job yeah and um I guess it would be, you'd say it was a mindset shift that it was possible to work and work and work and work and work. And there's been many times where I've had like four jobs lined up, you know, and not, you know, not always, but it just, just to know that there's some, especially, you know, these days with everything, you know, just to to know that you can't, you can work steadily as an actor because there's such you tell somebody you're an actor and they're like, Oh, you know, (laughs) whatever the stereotype is, you know, that's that's, what restaurant are you working in or whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, in your case, it's like steadily working, but then also in quality stuff. I mean, in terms of like Rockwell, I remember when I saw him in that confessions that Charlie Kaufman uh, wrote, I guess, I mean, that was, that seemed like a kind of a departure, but then, um, you know, seeing Synecdoche, uh, which you were in, you played the eye doctor yeah. with Phil. I was just, I couldn't help but um, but think about that. I mean, um, I was in the ICU a lot in terms of uh, like during the pandemic. I was doing a lot of work there, doing a lot of rotations and stuff. 
And um, I would see these, you know, comatose patients. And um, I remember one time, like I had to, uh, this nurse told me to tape, tape up the eyes. And she yelled at me because I guess my slices of tape were too big. But I, I couldn't help but think like, what are they thinking about um, in that time? Mm. And I feel like that that film is like such a poetic exploration of that. But then seeing that and then knowing, um, you know, about Phil, I was just thinking about like, um, like Phil did that movie. I mean, what was he? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Like just, what, yeah, what was yeah. he thinking about? I mean, how did that, how did that experience affect him? But like, that's what I was, I don't know. That just came to mind. But in terms of working with, um, with Charlie Kaufman and and with Phil, I mean, how, how was that, how was that experience for you? I mean, when you read the script, were you, were, what did you kind of think of it? I mean, well, reading that script, I was like, okay. You know, like I was like, I didn't, it, I mean, watching the movie, you, you know, the finished product, even yeah. that's like, um, it's like, it's a mental, yeah. it's a mental challenge. It's so, it's so deep and so expansive. Yeah. Um, and, um, and Kaufman, like on set, like, it's like his energy, it's just, it just feels like he's sparkling and it's like, it's like genius yeah. kind of that's it. And Phil, like, it just, it was just like, you know, I'm an actor, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to find my way through this. I'm just exploring it. You know, it was just like, not, there was no, I had met him before. Mm -hmm. um, and, but there was no, like, there was no hierarchy, you yeah. know, with, with him. It was just like, how can we make this work? And, um, you know, and, and just exploring and, and, you know, we did this scene a lot of different ways um, until we found, you know, what, what, I think it's a really great scene, yeah. um, you know, in the movie. Um, but just really, it, it really turned into me like look, looking as deep into Phil as I possibly could, you know, and that's what the doctor's yeah, doing, exactly. you know, and just like really going into his psyche, you know, as far as he would let me in. And then like when he would back off, it was just, it was like, that was that was the dynamics uh, between these two characters. Yeah, the movie is such a it's a mind fuck, but it's it's kind of a glorious, it's totally glorious that. one. Yeah, yeah, uh, very all that jazzy in some ways. But then uh, another um, another director, and I think you and Sam uh, both worked with her too, was Lynn Shelton, right? On that yeah. uh, touchy feely. Yeah, really, really sad when she uh, when she passed. I really loved. Oh my god, I loved her films. I was yeah. I was devastated. Yeah. We, we were very close and it was, yeah, it was shocking. What was she like? Just as, such an artist. Such an artist. Yeah, truly. What was she yeah. like? Um, man, Hump Day. That was, that's another one. What what, did, what was she like as a director for you? She was, it was the best. Um, for me, like I love when um, there's an element of improvisation mm. And, um, she had actually, um, we had run into each other at, um, at the Tribeca film festival mm -hmm. and, um, and I had just seen hump day, um, a week before wow. and I was walking out and I was in a, uh, I was in Nicole Holof centers, yeah. please give yeah. was playing there. Yeah. And, and I was walking out, you know, of the festival and this woman like 
started talking to me and was like, Oh, I'm such a fan of your work. And I was like, Oh, it's really flattered. And thank you so much. And, you know, we were just walking and I was like, well, what do you do? And she said, I'm a director. I said, Oh, what? And she said, I, I directed a movie called hump day. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, cause that movie was spectacular. Yeah. And, and we just want, we ended up going to the cast party for the movie and just talked and talked and talked. And was like, we want to work together. And we just started, um, I said, let's just get on, um, you know, get on the phone um, every two weeks and like bash ideas around. And, um, and then at one point, you know, she called me, it's like, I got it. I got the whole movie. And she, and I was on the phone and she was like saying, dispelling the movie out to me, you know, what this, the story. Yeah. And it was like, Oh my God, this is, sounds amazing. And um and so it was scripted, but it was also not fully scripted. Like mm. sometimes there were there would be like a scene and it would be a description of what happens in the scene, okay. but not locked down. Yeah. And so it was very um, improvisational. Like we would do a scene and it would go here and there and she'd come in and say, oh, let's try this and try that. And then we, it was just play. Yeah. It was just like, it was just the best and then so so great i mean in terms of who you played with i mean um page was so great and then rosemary but then yeah. also alice and jenny i mean yeah. I, f I feel like your characters are so um biometrically kind of opposed when you see them at the beginning but then they i mean you see this complement the connection and i feel like lens films are so good at that like taking these two opposing forces and figuring out the commonality even if it's faint and figuring out how to sort of make that um you know their reason for kind of being together yeah uh, how's how's working with her with with allison yeah oh god um i mean we had done some little wacky downtown theater oh, um, really? years before that yeah at uh, um at ps 122 mm. um and um i mean just so there so present so like any you know just throwing you know, curveballs at each other, oh, like yeah. in the most playful way. And just like, and, you know, it was just um, like with the environment that Lynn created and also working with Allison, like it just felt like you, there was no wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? There was like, you could curve over here. Curve. It was just like, a, you know, since I know part of this is about creativity, it was just a creativity bubble. Yeah where you could just, you know, find your way and explore and just the most nurturing, um, creative environment, um, for artists to bring their best work. Yeah. Wow. And so often, you know, it's a lot of sets, there's a certain amount of, you know, it's pressure, like yeah. get it done fast, fast, right. fast. Um, you know, and you have to bring in those situations and that's just the business at times. You have to bring that within yourself, you know, your creative juice so that no matter how much pressure is, you can just let it be spontaneous. But that was, you know, it was just like love. Mm. It was like love and creativity and fun and just glorious. Wow, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is is uh is Tom uh McCarthy like that? Like when you worked on Station Agent, and I, I know you've been in the same you know films as well. I mean, do you um as an actor? Right. But do you do you find that he's, he's also he's my he's 
he's pretty much my best friend too. Really? Yeah. He's uh that uh yeah, all his movies are like uh I love him. Yeah. Some some of them it takes a, like a second time. Like I think Win Win. Uh-huh. I had to watch that a few times to really feel that. But um Station Asian is so incredible. Um how is it like how is he uh, as a director? I mean, knowing him, being friends with him, working with him as an actor, but then how does that does that play into like how he directs too? Yeah, it just felt I mean that I think that was his first that was his first film, Station yeah. Agent. And he was just so um he he came uh, I have a place up in the Catskills and he he came up there and was like I I you know, I had this separate cabin and he was like I just need to write. I I have this idea and you know, and so um it was very it, there was something on the page for that and then he just said just watch the movie, you know, I'm kind of narrating this train movie in, yeah. you know, in, in the movie. And, and it was just like, he just was like, just go, you know, just, and I just would improvise and kind of talk all about, you know, the excitement about a train, you know, and just very free and focused at the same time. Yeah. Definitely. No, that's, I think that definitely comes across. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably a testament to why uh, his performances, like the performances in his films, like, um, like Richard Jenkins too, in The Visitor. I mean, yeah. I think that's why they're so vibrant is like he ha- he brings that. Yeah. Um, how, what is it like the consistency of working with like the same director? Like you mentioned, Nicole, I mean, you work with her a lot. You're in a lot of her films, like Please yeah. Give and land of steady habits and then mrs fletcher you did that show with her right. how was and then how was the new one that's con- coming out called um you hurt my feelings oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which is coming out um shortly yeah, yeah. um how is that how does that play in yeah i mean it feel it seems like the best directors that have the best directing career working with them for the most part, it's like they're just giving you space. And that's what she does. Like she wants to see what the actors come up with. Mm-hmm. And then she'll put little guides this way and that way and that way. But she wants, you know, she, she similar to Lynn, um, she, you know, she wants to see what you're going to do. And she just is so tickled by actors that it makes it just so much fun to work with her. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That's another, like, it seems like you gravitate towards people that kind of give you a certain amount of um, freedom in terms of like being able to like play with others and having this, um, you know, this dynamic that, you know, maybe isn't sort of set in stone at the beginning, but evolves like dynamically throughout the, throughout the project, um, which is cool. Uh, Another, another thing is like that, um, the episodic stuff, Mm -hmm. because, so on something like Ray Donovan, which you you did a bunch of those, uh, working with Liev and and the whole team there, and and your character, I feel like was um, kind of like very bombastic and very uh, you know <laughs> very kind of out there. How Stu is that? Feldman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stu, the, he's the producer, right? So yeah. Like, how is that? Uh, Liev, Liev is so subdued in that, and he's almost like a man of few words in in many cases. Yes. How is it kind of being? Does it feel like you're bringing this contrasting energy? I mean, how does that play into the dynamic you guys have? Yeah, I mean, that that was like a situation where I had to, you know, what I was describing, like with Lynn and Nicole, where they would, you know, foster this, you know, creative, you know, yeah. exploration. Um, in that environment, 
um, I had to bring that, you know, I had to completely self-generate that uh, because it was a much more testosterone, um, get the shot kind of, you know, kind of environment. But this character, you know, that I, you know, created and was really supposed to be only one episode. uh, But, you know, they just loved what I did and they kept just unfolding it. Um, So, yeah, so that was just almost like pushing against the energy of like of the structure that Liev brought and the structure of the production of like playing counter and, and in this kind of chaos of this guy who's has all this power, but has no self-esteem. And so it just comes out in the most, you know, he's just the most ungrounded guy spewing and trying to, you know, have sex with porn stars or or (laughs) like this or that, or, you know, he's just un unhinged you know completely unhinged in a in a um yeah in a somewhat hinged environment yeah Yeah, it's like when you see uh an insecurity unbridled it's kind of nothing better to see because it's really funny and it's very explosive yeah you also had like um i'm curious uh, like because i I just watched um the dropout recently Uh uh-huh uh and i actually didn't I didn't know a lot about that story. Mm. And I, I love on that show, they have these like, uh, they have these dyads almost like it's, uh, you almost have, it feels like you have a scene partner. Like you you work with Alan Ruck a lot in that. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, uh, Bill Macy and Laurie Metcalf work together a lot. I, I really think that's cool. Um, how was that? Uh, how was that being on that? I mean, did you, did you play like a real person or was that something that you yeah. kind of crafted? Yeah. It's a real guy. Yep. Does that put pressure on uh, on the performance or, or I mean there wasn't it? a lot there wasn't a lot to uncover about that guy there wasn't a lot written I found um some video of that guy um and somehow I felt like in that particular case I didn't want to reach out to him because I didn't know what it it just felt like yeah keep uh, take in what I can but n- not to have a direct which isn't always the case, but that was my intuition. You know, I've worked before with Michael Showalter who directed that. We did a show called Michael and Michael have issues years ago um, on comedy central. And I mean that it was such an amazing cast. And so, um, and you know, the four guys, you know, the four, yeah. The Walgreens guys, corporate guys. Yeah. Yeah. Walgreens guys, you know, just, I don't know. We just had some kind of synchronicity kicked in with the four of us. And it was just, we just so help, you know, caught each other. And it was just so, again, it was so spontaneous and so playful. And so, you know, each one of us was so different, but we kind of created this whole being, you know, of the Walgreens guys. Yeah. Um, Such a such a great experience and amanda's awesome everybody it was it was a real such a it was a great experience amanda's incredible but then also naveen yes i mean i i don't know every scene it's like he's insane (laughs) what an insane character right yeah totally such a great guy such a great guy yeah so i guess as we um as we wrap up i mean you mentioned that project with Nicole you hurt my feelings was it kind of cool you reuniting and um you know working with that 
incredible cast like uh i guess dave cross and amber tamblin and and um julia louis dreyfus is like i mean she's one of my favorites how, how was that yeah how is this experience I mean, compared to others i mean it was it was awesome you know nicole um called me and she said um i just wrote this part for you and you're gonna play yourself um in you know in this and yeah. um and it's like will you do it? And I was like, okay, you know, and, um, I think I've been in just about everything. Yeah. I think I've been in every movie she's done for yeah. past decade in, you know, bigger part or smaller part. Um, and again, it was just like, you know, Ariane Moyed was in it. Um, mm. and you know, he's, he was awesome. We became great friends and, um, it just, another case of like really creative people like fully in like no ego just like game on you know yeah. fully just fully committed and fully um just just a you know a great experience it wasn't the most you know when she told me what the what the part was i was like really that's because i'm playing myself you know yeah. and it's uh it, you know, it's a very kind of uncomfortable thing happens, um, which happens to a lot of actors, you know, where, you know, there's a, a play within the movie. And after the play, you know, fans come up and they're not recognizing me, even though I'm the lead <laughs> in the play. And yeah. and so I'm just kind of standing there and and Ariane, who's also, you know, in the play with me. Um, you know, all the attention goes to him and, you know, yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is like saying things like, oh, that must have been exhausting doing that performance, <laughs> you know, like all the, like all, like it was just tapped into that like totally douchey experience where <laughs> you've just done something and everybody else is getting accolades. All the praise, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, it's so captured that, that, um, that essence, um, so super uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I guess sometimes like being in that, sitting in that discomfort, it seems like that uh, is kind of key to unlocking some sort of engagement too. I mean, uh, so that's, I Absolutely. guess that's one of the pros. Yeah. Like, like you just have to work with whatever is there like that. And that, that's been like a big learning lesson for me of just like whatever that charge is, if I, if I tap onto that, even if it's something that I, that my mind is like, oh, that's a bad thing or what I shouldn't be feeling that, but I get on that train. It's like, then the doors open. But if we try to redirect that charge that's there, it's like everything gets shut down. Man, that's wild. Um, well, I, again, I really appreciated talking to you and it seems like, uh, yeah, yeah great that talking charge, to you too. That charge and that vibrancy, that energy, you definitely, that comes across in all your performances and they're also, different and interesting and um i love the way you choose your projects too so I, I really appreciate this thanks thanks so much man oh my pleasure great talking to you